Welcome everyone to another episode of the Door of Hope Leadership Podcast. I am very excited about this one. This is a this is a, a first. We have three people now talking. Oh yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, this is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here at Door of Hope, and I'm joined by Rebecca LaRue and Holly Winchell, and they're rad. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the subject of biblical hospitality. And before we jump into that, let's let's get some some intros out of the way. Uh, Holly is on staff at the church. She she basically runs Sunday, uh, <laughs> is how I would describe her job. How would you describe your job, Holly? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Just running it all. And my my official title is director of welcome ministries. Um, so we've got just a mixture of seven different teams, ranging from like safety all the way to greeting. Um, so everything with the exception of children's ministry and um, worship and just a collection of volunteers and awesome community that we gather on Sundays and just all of the volunteers I work with, myself included, have a heart to just make Sunday a beautiful, God-centered experience for everyone who attends Door of Hope calls it home. Awesome. And Rebecca, tell us a bit about your involvement at Door of Hope. Uh, Well, my husband is Mark LaRue, the children's pastor at Door of Hope. And uh, my children go to Door of Hope and go to the children's ministry and really enjoy it there. And we've got um, just a wonderful um, community of friends at Door of Hope. And yeah, I'm currently studying at uh, Western Seminary and... um, yeah, there's a great overlap with with the seminary and Dora Pope. So, and if you were at the women's retreat, her name might sound familiar, or her person might be familiar to you. You probably <laughs> met her. She uh, just shared a couple of the sessions during the women's retreat. Yes, I did. That was a great honor. Yeah, and and so moving to the subject of hospitality, one of the reasons Holly had the idea to incorporate Rebecca because as we've been talking about the subject, it turned out. A lot of what you were sharing over the past weekend even seemed to, you probably didn't know it, but it seemed to sync up with what Holly and I have been talking about Mm -hmm. as we've been preparing for this. And so Holly had the great idea to rope you in. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. (laughs) I hope it's worth it. (laughs) Oh, we'll find out. (laughs) I'm already laughing more than Cameron makes me laugh on his own. (laughs) (laughs) One of the great benefits of three people. Um, okay. Biblical hospitality. Um, maybe not at first glance, the most exciting subject that we could Mm -hmm. cover. Uh, but one that is, as Holly has taught me over the last really year at the church, Mm -hmm. um, one that is actually extremely central to the story of the Bible and the heart of God himself. Uh, so why don't we start, Holly? What you've been teaching this material um, to your your leaders and your volunteers mm. for the last how you tell us how long, yeah. and how how what brought this subject up for you? What made you want to take a deep dive into it? Yeah. So um, part of our rhythm as a welcome ministry team is we gather before each service for a short devotional time. Um, Revolution Hall with more space has just been an awesome opportunity for for the different welcome teams to all come together, get to know each other. Um, So I usually will teach something short, five to ten minutes, and then we spend time praying. Um, 
and it makes it easier for me and I think easier to follow along for the volunteers when there's a series. So um, the Lord just kind of placed it on my heart. I think coming out of a space of just, one, not understanding the word hospitality, and two, being Mm. like sort of, I don't know, really like averse to the term when it came to what my role was at the church, which is often you see in different church communities that the welcome ministries or operations, it's called hospitality. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that word. It just seems kind of flat and empty. So I thought, mm. okay, well, maybe this means I need to actually figure out what this word means in a biblical context. Mm. And so just starting to study that, picking up some cool resources, and I'm sure we'll talk about um, over the Christmas break, I realized that this is a huge word. This is a big Mm. deal, and this has everything to do with what we're doing um, as Christians and especially as as a team of volunteers serving. And so I kind of knew right away that it was going to take at least a year (laughs) to go through, um, and it did. Um, Just really getting a rich biblical overview every week starting in the Old Testament, um, really looking at um, the Exodus story was huge. We spent like 15 weeks in there going into the New Testament, looking at um, the way that Jesus exemplified hospitality, looking at the way that Paul found it a central um, element of the early Christian church, and then really looking into um, <clears throat> kind of the path that we took culturally to get to where we are today, mm-hmm. um, which is where I was, where I didn't understand the word at all as a biblical term, and just kind of invoked divisions of you know, cruise ships and hostesses at chain restaurants and, (laughs) you know, dinner parties that you, like, take 19 pictures of and maybe eat a bite of, (laughs) that kind of thing. Gram gram where it didn't happen. Gram where it didn't happen. Is that a hashtag, Cameron, when you use often? I may have just invented one. (laughs) Let's get that going viral. Okay, I think that's a really good point that... For most people, when we think of the word hospitality, we probably think of things that are pretty sub-biblical. So you just mentioned a few. I don't know. Maybe let's explore that for a second. What are some other ideas that come to mind for us that maybe miss the mark of biblical hospitality when we think of that word? I think a feeling of just like general, like flimsy friendliness comes to mind. Mm. Like this idea that hospitality means like a smile and kindness mm. <laughs> which it is but it's not right you know it's much more than that but mm-hmm. we do tend to focus on the um the exterior rather than than the deeper more um weighty substance of hospitality dinner parties yeah and a well-set table mm-hmm and uh, amazing food and a, and a new recipe that you've tried. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation Impressive is things. oftentimes around the decor and, um, yeah. With friends and family. Mm, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, people you, you want to be seen with and you um, have a kinship with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, again, isn't outside of the realms of hospitality, no, but it's, it's definitely, not. it's just, there's there's a wall kind of between what we experience generally as a culture mm. and the real, like, depth and the meat. That's right, yeah. It is. A truncated view of the gospel within, yeah. within that, that it's so much more. Totally. So, turning the corner then, um, maybe we'll start with you, Holly. What, what are uh, some of the and we can't get into every 
data point of biblical hospitality here, but what are some of the just standout things for you, stories or concepts uh, just from the Bible Mm. itself that have shaped your view of, of, of what properly understood hospitality should be about? The first thing that comes to mind for me is the Exodus story, which I kind of mentioned in kind of one of the key components of the Old Testament in my understanding of hospitality, even just looking at Exodus 23:9, which talks about strangers welcoming strangers. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is just a beautifully profound concept um, that God is instilling in his people, talking about the way that he has brought them out of exile. Um, And this is just supposed to be a constant reminder um, to the Israelites that this is how we treat each other and this is how we treat others um, Mm. in constant um, gratitude for what God has done that leads us to a place of generosity towards everyone around us. Mm. Um, That was really key to me. And then um, also going back even further, I think the first several chapters of Genesis just paint such an amazing picture of the way that God has blessed us um, before we really did anything or uttered a single word. Um, and that's just such an important baseline <clears throat> for the way that we we look at the world and we look at the people around us. I think hospitality, even without a truncated version, it still won't get you very far if you don't understand the value of humanity mm-hmm. um, and if you don't understand each person that you come in contact with as somebody that is made in the image of God and mm-hmm. has inherent worth and dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes to light right in Genesis chapter 1. Um, so that's, yeah, really profound and definitely had a big effect in me kind of actually liking the word hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was really interesting that you pointed out was, um, I hadn't really looked into closely, was the fact that the the Greek word we translate hospitable, this Greek word phylloxenos, mm-hmm. which the, the, it's a compound made up of the word for brotherly love and the word for the stranger. Yeah. Um, and so it, I mean, you put those two together, that's the meaning of the word. It's the love for the stranger. It's the mm-hmm. love for the alien. Mm-hmm. It's the love for the unknown person, the other. Mm-hmm. In addition to the loving the stranger or house of stranger hospitality later became a place of healing mm-hmm. and i think that's really beautiful since since we're the ambassadors of christ that we are we're to be ministers of reconciliation mm-hmm. and reconciliation is all about healing and mm-hmm. so we as persons of christ can can bring and instill healing mm-hmm. toward others because of what christ has done for us and that's why we're hospitable people and that's why we show hospitality to others mm-hmm. I, I was just reminded I'd, I've only read the intro and the conclusion we'll see if I have time to go back and read read the, the body of the book but this book with this really controversial t- title just came out like this last year it's called Saved by Faith and Hospitality which is clearly just meant to ro- roil up anyone who looks at the title but, but it's it's not as out there as it seems that the author and I'm uh, I think his last name is Jip. We'll, mm. we'll see. Uh, I'll have to go fact check that. <laughs> I'll look that up. Yeah. Um, he, he argues that the, the point he's making is that the, ultimate, the, the early church understood the ultimate act of hospitality as what actually Jesus did on the cross. And mm-hmm. it was this, this radical act of stranger love mm-hmm. and healing, like you're talking about mm-hmm. it. it. It 
Jesus on the cross is the center point where we can understand this whole concept. And we even see yes. these ideas of Exodus and Genesis all find their ultimate fruition. And so then they understood the the, the command then to not only receive through mm-hmm. faith this act of hospitality from, from God through mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. Um, but then their commission to go and do the same mm-hmm. to others. And so it, it actually really is closely tied to the very center point of the whole biblical story yeah. in the cross. Uh, and we, I've missed that. Yeah. Like basically my mm. whole Christian life. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, mm. it's so important um, to have that, the story of the gospel as our foundation. And mm. I think that's the separating link between the true depth of biblical hospitality. Cause there are a lot of concepts as we get into the dimensions that we're talking about that, mm-hmm. um, could honestly be set apart from Christianity. They could be something that is um, an ethos of anyone. But mm-hmm. to have this element of, of Jesus Christ as a stranger to us, or as us a stranger to him, bringing this this fulfillment mm-hmm. of our relationship, crossing the barrier, tearing down that veil, yeah. um, to have that be the place from which we have... Um, an understanding of what hospitality looks like in its perfect form as something that we want to emulate and something that we have the honor and the responsibility of giving away to others. That's all the difference in the world for the way that we live it out, you know? And I, I don't know if this is this is out of turn, but I, I, I even think about before Jesus' life mm-hmm. that in the Godhead there's a perfect mm-hmm. hospitality displayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that so that can be a picture for us of of perfect mutual giving and receiving, which is really what hospitality is all about. There's always someone on the receiving end, and there's always someone giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we're the receivers, and sometimes we're the givers. Yes. Um, but we have to be willing to also be the receivers, and I think that that takes a level of humility mm-hmm. um, as well. Well, okay. So so if this is, and I think. Correctly, as you're arguing, uh, one of the central themes of the Bible. Again, we we can't we can't cover it all in 30 minutes. Um, but one of the things that you pointed out, Holly, that was really helpful was uh, the kind of the three dimensions that uh, the scholar Christine Pohl brought up in her book, Making Room. So mm-hmm. she kind of summarizes biblical hospitality according to three aspects. So why don't we why don't we talk through the what those are and what implications those have for us? The first is recognition and respect. What's that all about? Yeah. So I kind of alluded to it already, just talking this idea of all of us being made in the image of God and really letting that sink in to the way that we view the world, the way that we view everyone around us. Um to have that be first and foremost the thought that comes into our head in all new and old relationships this idea that you have inherent value and worth you deserve my respect no matter what no matter mm-hmm. what you've done and you reserve you deserve recognition as a human being um and again this is modeled for us in genesis 1 um if i could read it really fast Genesis 1, 28 through 31 here. It says, um, and this is right after um, God's creating man. It says, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, 
Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is important. These are important verses, I think, in the context of hospitality because this is um, this is God speaking over man, giving us our first indication of our identity. Um, and it introduces us to the character of the God that we image. Upon creating humanity, um, God's immediately giving blessing, identity, and purpose, and we had yet to do anything. And I think yeah. that's the really important component of this. We have this beautiful mandate, all of this purpose and identity mm-hmm. just wrapped up in these mm-hmm. short verses, and there's nothing that we had done. So this is where we get this idea that every human being is made in God's image and has inherent dignity, reser- deserves re- recognition and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just beautiful. Well, I, I would almost say this seems like something that most Christians would have some some sense of like mm-hmm. it feels like most most churches mm-hmm. can establish some some mm-hmm. consistent theology around the dignity of people made mm-hmm. in the image of God and yet it feels like there's this huge gulf between that understanding and then like applying it mm-hmm. in a lot of spheres mm-hmm. do you think that's fair to say and where, where are some of the places we tend to miss this mm-hmm. practically as we try to live it out I think it's for me, and I think it's different for for depending up, for others, depending upon your your temperament and natural inclinations. But for me, it sounds really um, good and feasible to love someone if I don't know them, because that love love is an abstract kind mm-hmm. of unapplied thought. But once I I get to know someone. Um, once we're familiar with one another, then it becomes even more difficult to love them because as I get to know them, I start to know their um, idiosyncrasies, mm-hmm. the things that rub me the wrong way. Um, and so, and that is actually true love. It is love is when we know someone, we know that they are made in God's image and likeness, and yet they are messy and broken mm-hmm. and in need of a savior just like I am. Um, so for me, it's it's in my daily living my life. It's, mm. it's, it's being hospitable to my children. It's being hospitable to my husband. It's being hospitable to my family. Um, it's being hospitable to the person that serves me a coffee. Um, it's it's being hospitable to the person who pumps my gas. Um, it's all those little interactions throughout my daily life where I need to ask myself, have I um, thought of these people um, more than myself? Have mm-hmm. I put them before myself? Have mm-hmm. I taken the time out of what I think is my busy day to extend hospitality to be a hospitable person Mm -hmm. um, towards others Um, no matter when God brings them into my life no matter who God brings into my life Um, and that's difficult because Mm -hmm. it's out of my control Um, it's not within my well thought out schedule for the day Mm -hmm. Uh, and I need to be ready I need to be ready to extend um, hospitality to whoever whenever uh, God brings mm-hmm. someone into my life. But like I said, it's so much easier to talk about it in theory 
yeah. and to feel strongly about it, especially towards people groups. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, we need to love this person. We need to love those people. Like, you know, they're made in God's image and likeness. But man, when we're actually <laughs> conversing and building that relationship, it's, it's, it becomes a little bit more um, difficult. But I think that's where tr- true love starts being forged and lived out. I think for me, that respect component mm-hmm. is what sort of pushes this idea of inherent dignity into a space that actually mm-hmm. has application for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't get to turn off our responsibility mm-hmm. to be hospitable when we're tired, mm-hmm. when we're dealing with sin issues that put our attitude and character in a space yep. that isn't godly, when we've been hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that we deal with on a daily basis that just sort of nip away mm-hmm. at our ability to treat others with respect, mm-hmm. to show the utmost love and care. That's what was so important to really looking at this word, to really looking at the concept, because we, we push past this truncated view mm-hmm. of niceties mm-hmm. and this kind of lack of moral component mm-hmm. um, and really look at hospitality as the root of how we engage with everyone that we meet. Yeah, I think it's, um, the, I read um, recently about just profaning the name of the Lord, and oftentimes we think of um, this as being foul language, but that profaning the name of the Lord can also be thinking and speaking and acting towards one of his um, created beings made in his image and likeness with disdain mm-hmm. and disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was huge for me um, because it's much more than language. It's mm-hmm. an attitude and it's a it's a perspective. Mm-hmm. There's this quote, it's a short one I want to read from Christine Pohl's book. It says, hospitable communities are signs of hope that love is possible, mm-hmm. that the world is not condemned to a struggle between oppressors and oppressed, that class and racial warfare is not inevitable. Mm-hmm. So important so important to see hospitality as in, in a biblical worldview as not just what's possible but what is right yes and to replace our our doubt that the world could be better or our bitterness for what we've experienced what we've watched others experience and the tragedies that happen on a daily basis yeah. at this point and to believe that as a part of our worship of a just god mm. that this is the kingdom this is what it looks like yeah you know? second dimension Paul brings up is really a pretty straightforward one. Mm-hmm. The meeting of physical needs. Talk to us a bit about this. In that same, in that same mandate that I read in Genesis, um, God shares that he has blessed humanity with every plant yielding seed, every tree with seed and its fruit for food. Um, so it's that same concept from the very beginning. God has blessed us with provision. Um, there's verse after verse that talk about God as our provision. Um, and even though we are temporal human beings that have needs, um, that those are cared for by God. And therefore, we have a responsibility to our fellow humans as well um, to be looking to meet those, those physical needs um, for others. Yeah, I think it starts with that recognition that all is from God, that our very source of life, and even in the material that God has has given this to us, um, not just for ourselves, but to be an extension of him to the world. 
and he knows our means. Um, he doesn't disregard those. Um, but it was always within someone's means within the Bible that God used and multiplied to bless mm. others. Yes. Um, and we can also trust God with that as well, knowing that we have limited means, but God is unlimited. Mm. And he'll take what we give him, and, and we can trust him with that. Mm. So good. Yeah, you touched on that a lot at the women's retreat, and it was really profound, um, kind of talking about the, the indiscriminate yeah. God. Um, that really blows us open. Yeah, the, that his grace is indiscriminate, and we try and be discriminate with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we think of him as being um, a pie, perhaps, and we <laughs> have a piece, and there's only a certain amount to go around, but mm-hmm. God, God says, no, this is not my economy. Yeah. I don't work on your economy. Um, there, there's an abundant amount of grace mm-hmm. and generosity and hospitality to live those things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we perpetually put off what needs to be done. God has called us to be hospitable. He has called us to live generously. Stop putting it off. Mm-hmm. Mm. Rebecca, you shared a story that I think really highlights this um, idea. Again, talking about your time um, in Nigeria, yeah? Or... N- not Nigeria, okay. but South Africa. Okay. Um, I lived with a, a bunch of, of young, um, new Christ- to Christianity um, gang members. Oh, is that is that yeah the that's that the one thinking? I don't know yeah. about Nigeria I'm so I was working with youth with a mission and I was living with a bunch of of these guys and they were coming from understandably so a culture in which um, you took care of your family and you took care of your friends and so they were definitely a much more um, uh, collective a collective minded group of guys and I was coming from my affluent Western American individualized perspective. And this was our, our, our perspectives. There's, there, there's being a more collective mindset, um, a mindset that, that included community and the good of the whole. And my mindset of being individualized, autonomous, and independent um, was played out every afternoon. Uh, we would take a break and go to the local mini mart across the street and, and buy our snacks. And I would buy um, uh, an individualized sized Coca-Cola and maybe a chocolate. And I would go sit somewhere and enjoy my Coca-Cola and a chocolate um, to just kind of have some time to, to um, reward myself for a morning well done and get ready for the afternoon. What you just described is every day of my life. <laughs> but Dr. Pepper, right? Pre- preferably Dr. Pepper. And Skittles, maybe? Maybe M&M's. Do you wake up looking forward to it? Like, uh, it's the, coming. There are days. My reward but is coming. There are certainly days. Sorry to interject. No. It's a real thing, you know? <laughs> it's a real Treat thing. Treat yourself. <laughs> yeah, so they would... <clears throat> they would um, buy a two-liter size Coca-Cola... And a packet of chips, and um, get a bunch of straws, and and they would share that coke, and they would each get their individualized straws. And I remember they used to kind of tease me and make fun of me for for not sharing. I would never want to share theirs. I was like, no thanks. I don't want it's a lot germs. of straws in one. Tutor. I don't want your germs. <laughs> but you know, I was the anomaly. I was the weird one from my culture of independence, autonomy, uh, and individuality. They were the norm. And, 
yeah, I, w- I learned a lot during that time. I learned a lot about um, thinking about other people and and the the beauty of being able to share because in that again they're they're all giving and receiving it's that mutual giving and receiving as they drink of that two liter <laughs> bottle of coke and share their germs um you know and i don't know if, if people are germaphobes or whatever but <laughs> god is bigger than that mm-hmm. and we're called to be bigger than than our fears <laughs> yeah and so you know what would have happened if i would have taken part and been like yeah i'll share your coke you know, I think there's a lot of barriers and, and obstacles within our, our relationship, my relationship with these guys that, that would have broken down as I stepped out beyond my individual mindset. Mm-hmm. There's so many different stories that are reminders that it is not about having more mm-hmm. that's going to put you in a position to give more. No. It will never work like that. No. You know, it always has to come from a place of it just being like those guys. Like that was just, that was how they lived. You share. Yeah. You give. Yeah. You know? Mm. And there's something beautiful about that, that God does, in in a sense, redeem when we are in places where our finances are tight. Mm. Um, we, or at least in my own life, I look back when finances are tight, and I can see that he has caused me to be dependent on him again. Because for whatever reason, I have forgotten mm. that my very source of life is in him. And then I am called to be dependent on him for everything. That's so good. Well, let's move on to Christine Paul's third dimension Mm -hmm. she sees in the scriptures, which is rest for the sojourner. Yeah. First of all, who who is the sojourner? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, well, sojourner is kind of just another way to say stranger in this early Middle Eastern biblical context. Um, and that's where she gets kind of this third dimension, at least the practical aspect of it, um, is looking at the way that communities were formed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all, everyone lives in one city with, there's always a, a town center kind of mm-hmm. in, in the middle of where everyone um, has their homes. Um, and anytime a traveler or sojourner comes into your city, then the town square is kind of this, this place that you go and you hopefully know that the people the townspeople or wherever you're at are going to come and decide whose home you're mm-hmm. going to stay in so it's this very practical concept of we provide for one another a lot of what we just talked about but this is the the component not necessarily of the provision of like food and resources but just the concept of a place to go rest yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you see this um, to me this element really transforms um, looking at the New Testament and really seeing um, Jesus mm-hmm. um, describe himself, describe God as um, living water, mm-hmm. as this um, this ultimate idea of peace and rest is knowing that we mm-hmm. have a God who loves and cares for us, um, who is constantly available to us, mm-hmm. um, and who has given us his spirit within us. Um, so all these concepts that we're talking about as we've looked at Genesis and as we, we see that God is our source and through him we give away, um, that's the same with rest. And that's kind of this like bottom rung component, or it's probably not the best way to say it, but that's 
all of this, this isn't biblical hospitality without understanding Christ mm-hmm. as the center of it, without mm-hmm. understanding that he is our peace and rest. We have constant access to him, and we can give that away. And so in the midst of entering into biblical hospitality, um, I think the true component of rest is being able, in the midst of giving, to be able to share through what you're doing and also through your words that it comes from Jesus, mm-hmm. that this comes from your understanding, from my understanding as a Christian, as someone who believes in the authority of Christ, who believes that he is my savior, that this is what I am privileged and told through scripture, through my relationship with Jesus, is the way to bring the kingdom, is the yeah. way forward, and is the, the truest version of myself, of my humanity, um, as an image bearer. It reminds me, going all the way back to Genesis with Abraham, mm. God told Abraham he's going to make this great nation out of him, but that he's going to bless the nation that comes so that it might be a blessing to the surrounding nations. Mm-hmm. And so even when God sets up the nation of Israel later uh, with Moses, um, built into the law are these ideas that, okay, here's how you treat the sojourner when they come. Because again, mm-hmm. the idea is that it's it exists as a priestly nation and a mm-hmm. priestly function mm-hmm. to tell those who aren't a part of the nation, this is who God is, what he's like, come and worship him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when the stranger comes and finds rest... The physical need is met, but then they're actually, it's a metaphor for the rest that they, they're to ultimately yeah. find in God himself. Mm-hmm. And we see almost the same concept lived out, like applied to the church in the New Testament. We're mm-hmm. no longer, it's no longer a national identity, but it's a spiritual identity mm-hmm. um, where hopefully the, the weary come and find rest yes. and see that not only is it physical, not only can mm-hmm. they be cared for and have needs met, but they, that that's a signpost to the God in Jesus who's going to do that for them as well so good and the thing that kind of uh, um, combines the Old Testament and the New Testament is that there's a relational identity component so that what everything that God had placed for the Israelites to partake in was about relationship establishing mm-hmm. relationship and keeping relationship um, like even even with the, the Ten Commandments it's all yeah. about Relationship, relationship yeah. with yeah. God, and relationship with others. I mean, the whole biblical narrative is is this great story of relationship, of right relationship. Mm-hmm. So good, and and Cameron, I love that. I love the way that you described that. It was so perfect, and it really talking about Paul too, and his description of this kind of spiritual mantle that we wear. I think it really brings um, the church into view for this mm-hmm. like communal aspect of hospitality. Because this is truly, as the Bride of Christ, as a collective community in a church, this is where we have the opportunity to mm-hmm. to bring that rest yeah. to people seeking. Um, and that's a really cool picture um, and a reminder that hospitality, um, it's not just about you and God. We're talking about this in a relational sense for the most part right now, I think, between us and God and then giving mm-hmm. away to the people in our midst. But this is really a communal thing, too. Yeah. This is really something that we, we engage in collectively. Yeah. Um, as Christians, yeah. yeah. And with that, then you understand that your marriage is for God, your children mm. are for God. Yeah. You know, when you think of, for me at least, when I look back at my own life and I, I think of the families or the couples that have impacted my own walk with the Lord, um, it was because they were hospitable people. They were people that were generous with their time, their energy, their resources, their finances, and their relationship. Mm-hmm. And there was this component that drew me to them and drew me then to Christ. 
And I think the church is a picture of that. The church should be mm. the family of God that is that is a fragrant um, offering, you know, that's drawing others in. Mm. So we don't have a lot of time left, but I, I think we do well to turn the corner to focus on how do we get practical with this? Mm. So, so if you're listening to this, presumably... A lot of you are leaders at Door of Hope in some capacity. So we'll just, this is now for you and for me and for us sitting here having this conversation. Here, here's what we do with, with this bit of theology we have in our hands. First, you said, when we come to the Bible, to, to, to approach it in part with a lens, through a lens of biblical hospitality. Mm-hmm. What, what does that, what's that mean? Yeah, um, I think in short, it is really easy to open our Bibles with the perspective of, what does this mean for me? Okay, God, I'm having a hard mm-hmm. day. Let me flip open the scriptures and just point, and this is what you have to say for me. Um, and God is speaking to us. This is the living word, but I think it's very important as part of our lens for scripture, as part of the way that we read it, to to utilize hospitality um, as that lens, mm-hmm. to open up our scriptures, to read and, and look at it in a way of, okay, what is God saying about the way I am to interact with the world um, in a hospitable way? What, what is the scripture saying about the way that Jesus showed respect and recognition, that Jesus provided yeah. for physical needs and provisions, mm-hmm. that Jesus brought rest? What are the ways in the Old Testament that God is revealing this relationship? Um, yeah. yeah. I really appreciated that one when I read it last night. <laughs> I was reading it. I was like, wow, that is good. Man, we, like like I, I did with these, these guys in South Africa, we come with our individualized perspectives and mm-hmm. we miss something. There's mm-hmm. something so great that we miss in our reading of the Bible. And so, so reading it with that biblical um, hospitality lens is, is really huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then if this first one is about allowing God to speak t- to us through his word, you then turned us to the importance of prayer well i think first and foremost prayer is always a necessary practice in tuning our hearts to the lord it's something that it just it's a piece of everything it's mm-hmm. our it's our line to god it's our opportunity to really posture ourselves um towards god um hospitality when done biblically is hard yeah it costs a lot it's uncomfortable and if we have any indication from jesus and sharing a meal with the people that he did, even his closest disciples weren't stoked. It's it's not a practice for the weak at heart, and so we have to be tuning in to God. We have to pray, um, and also remind ourselves that we can't just we're not just gonna like oh okay now now I know what hospitality is so I'm gonna go and enter in you know um, you have to rely on God for strength through prayer, and I think it's important to pray for God to bring the right relationships into your life. It, it takes a level of right relationship with God and a level of selflessness uh, that God has called us to. So then you put it down as live it out. Yeah. Live it out. What are, some, what are some just super practical ideas for living out biblical hospitality? Mm. When I wrote this, I wrote a list of questions to kind of take a personal inventory. So I just kind of want to read those and give everyone listening an opportunity to kind of process. Um, Are you serving in the city with your family? Mm -hmm. Are you serving in the city with your community group? Is your community group a place where people different than you would feel safe, welcome, and heard? 
Do you consider yourself to have a light hold on your possessions? Are you willing to sacrifice elements of your private life for others, even when it's inconvenient? Do you know the people in your community well enough to identify when someone needs practical or financial assistance? Do you believe that we as a church have something tangible to offer this world? Hmm. Yeah. Those are great questions. Mm-hmm. You know, big part of my role at the church is just specifically overseeing the community group ministry, and I, I do think it's such a great avenue to start thinking through putting this into practice. I mean, one of the great we talked about it earlier, but one of the great shortcomings we often have in our minds is that hospitality at community group is what you described earlier, like, oh, let's make sure the house looks nice and. The heat is on. The heat is on. Clean the toilets. The toilets are clean. We have good good food that's going to be impressive in some way, like Mm. that we have our our aesthetic dialed in properly. And that can't all of those things can be done out of a truly Mm -hmm. hospitable heart. A desire to serve and give um, of your best to the people that that come into Mm -hmm. the into your home. So that's not to disparage any of that, but Easily, the far more significant things are, have you established, built the relationship with the people in that group enough uh, to, to, exactly what you said, to know, are they struggling mm-hmm. to, to have their basic needs met? Is there some way that you as a group, you as an individual might be able to insert yourself mm-hmm. into that and offer some relief and some care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like your time spent preparing for your community group, like you said, is is still time well spent. You know, it's not to disparage cleaning those toilets and right. preparing oh, yeah. the food and that's part of also service and and, um, and is a part of hospitality but it should never be a barrier to providing hosp- hospitality to someone mm-hmm. it should never be something that becomes the focal point or eclipse what is most important mm-hmm. and that's where we oftentimes derail um, because we want people to walk away in awe of us instead of being in awe of Christ. Mm. Mm. Um, so well said. These are big concepts, I think, that we talked mm. about today. I think, for me, in my journey of the last year studying this, I was never, there was never, like, a day reading scripture or books or whatever where it just, like, didn't hit, like, a hammer. Yeah. Because this is, like, I'm, I struggle with this. Even when you think you're doing it right, it's like, you go and mm. have an opportunity to go get groceries for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, want to grab some candy bars or something. And that's hard. That's difficult all of a sudden. It's like, wait, now my mo- you're using my money for mm-hmm. something that I don't actually think that you need. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there are, for, for every way that we enter into this and do it right, it will get harder. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, oh, gosh. But Jesus blesses us so much through the challenges that we go through and through every time that we say yes to his promises over mm. our own idea of of safety and comfort. So I just, as community group leaders that are listening or anybody that's um, mm-hmm. inv- already inviting people into your home on a regular basis, like, God bless you, first of all, for doing that and being so faithful to that. And I hope that these are tools that really help you press into that. And I hope it's exciting to look at the ways that you can further engage the people that you know um, and 
and really take the challenge to heart to, to learn more about your group, to, to kind of observe the dynamics and see if these this welcoming nature is mm-hmm. really playing itself out, you know? In the same way that we receive from God, and that has to sink in and hit home, I think God uses people yeah. to make that sink in and hit home. And <laughs> unlikely people. Yeah. That's the most, like, mm-hmm. humbling thing, is it's the people you don't expect. You know, when you have a community group and you're like, oh, well, we're going to really help that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of come to the relationship and superiority. Totally. And then they start ministering to you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So true. Because, yeah, I think that's the hard part with hospitality, Um, this coming at relationship unequally. Mm -hmm. Again, not coming from the truth of that we are all um, made in God's image totally. and likeness and that God's grace is indiscriminate his forgiveness mm-hmm. is indiscriminate and all have sinned and come short fallen short of the glory of God and therefore we are all equal yeah. in that way you know yeah. so good um, you know gifted in different ways but equal on those that value base mm-hmm. and so therefore we don't come to relationships in a superior or inferior yeah um, fashion yeah we do damage when we do. Yes. You know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So much damage. Yeah. I mentioned that story of quickly of helping a family with groceries. Yes. But I mean that that experience, how stressed out I was every time they put something different mm-hmm. in the cart and the kids were crying about candy, really wrecked me because I know how much it showed on mm-hmm. my face that like this was hard and uncomfortable, and that mm-hmm. hurts. Yeah. You know someone to like mm-hmm. to like be receiving in such a vulnerable position but like yeah. see that like it's not out of joy and love yeah you know yeah. and from a place of I'm better than you I guess I'll do this because I have more than you and if I give you more then mm-hmm. you'll get to be more like me or mm-hmm. I don't know the, the thoughts that we have in our head exactly but yeah because it, it's the yeah it's like hospitality is not a sterile um compartmentalized controlled theory it's a messy relational driven pursuit of of love love that we've been shown and love that we want to show others and and, and unless we apply it we sit in delusion that we are hospitable, yeah. a delusion that we are generous, a mm-hmm. delusion that we can do these things in and of ourselves. And until we apply it, then we recognize, oh, I really don't know what I'm doing. And I'm doing this really badly, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that comes back down probably to the live it out. It's like, just start doing it, you mm-hmm. know, start living it out. And yes, a part of the discomfort is recognizing that you do have partiality, you do show favoritism, you do mm-hmm. have judgments, you do look at people in a superior fashion. Yeah. But that's okay because yeah. that's why Jesus died yeah. for us. Yes. Like because we're messed up and in yeah. need of a savior. Mm-hmm. Um, we get nowhere if we don't face those things. No. Or we, pretend that it's everyone we, else but us. Right. And we, yeah. we live in that illusion that we are above the things that we're reading in the news, above yeah. the things that we see around us, totally. above the things we may see in our churches that mm-hmm. don't, you know, align with our, you know, beliefs um, mm-hmm. about giving. Yeah. 
And then it's like, oh, but if I actually did what I was... Totally. You know, because I think that that whole judgment of how we judge our intentions, but we judge other other people's actions. So we live in... Oh, that's so good. We live in our intentions. Yes. We miss out. We miss out. The old speck and log, isn't it? (laughs) It's classic speck and log. Gosh. Classic. (laughs) Even as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Well... Thank you guys so much for your time. I think this was a real this was a really helpful conversation for me. I think it will be for our church. So thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Thank us. you for having me. This was such a pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll do it again. Sweet. Sweet. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>